Hey, just a quick note before we get into the show. Every episode this season comes with a tremendously detailed write-up of all the core ideas and strategies that you're about to learn. Plus, I always share extra reading and resources for those of you who want to dig deeper into the topic. So if you're looking to get even more value out of this, go check out the show notes for this episode at filmfreedomshow.com 17. So without any further ado, here's the show. Hey friend, Rob Hardy here, and welcome back to season two of the Filmmaker Freedom Podcast. Today, we're gonna tackle a pretty tough subject, maybe the toughest subject of all of them, and that subject is depression. It's not only something that I've personally struggled with throughout my life, but quite a few studies have shown that it's a growing problem, not only throughout our society, but throughout the world, and particularly in young people. And I have a hunch that it's even more prevalent and widespread amongst us creative folks. And I don't know if that's because there's some inherent link between creative brains and depression, or if we creative types just tend to focus more intensely on our thoughts and our emotional states, which in turn leads to depression. Either way, it doesn't really matter. If you've listened to any of the other episodes of this show, or really just took in any of my other work, I'm sure you've noticed a consistent theme running throughout everything. I put a ton of emphasis, not just on the craft and the mindset and the business of film, but on living a good quality life. And that's why I ultimately chose to go ahead with this episode, even though it would have been so much easier not to. Because frankly, nothing stops us from living a good life more than depression. No amount of financial or critical or personal success can compensate for that. I mean, shit, look at Anthony Bourdain and Robin Williams, and there are so many more stories like this, but these guys had everything on the outside, but their internal lives were just too much to bear. And that's why we have to talk about this, because I can arm you with strategy after strategy for achieving success and making great films and making money and all of that stuff, but none of that would matter worth a damn if we don't tackle this subject head on. Now, before we get into it, I should make a quick disclaimer that I am not a doctor, a psychologist, a neuroscientist, or really anyone qualified to talk about this authoritatively. I have researched a hell of a lot, and I've tried a lot of things to combat my own depression, some of which have worked and some of which haven't. But at the end of the day, I'm just a random guy on the internet who has made a little bit of progress in his own struggles with depression. So please take anything I say here with a grain of salt, and if you want real expert advice, please seek it out. Also worth noting, when I say I've made progress, that is exactly what I mean. I haven't quote unquote cracked the code or mastered my depression or anything quite that hyperbolic. It's still there, and I fully expect to struggle with it quite a bit more in the future. But I'm learning to weather the storm, to make my highs in life even higher, and to make my lows higher as well, if that makes sense. I'm consistently moving the needle in a positive direction, and I wanna share some of the stuff that's helped me do that. If you're game for that and you wanna go down this rabbit hole with me, 
I'd love it if you came along for the ride. And just a heads up, this episode is quite a bit longer and more substantial than even the other ones this season, which I think are pretty substantial as well. So I hope that just goes to show how much care and effort I put into doing this the right way. But before we can get to any of that, I've got to get in a quick word from one of my sponsors this season. So hold tight, and I will be back in just a sec. Freedom. It's one of the core values with everything I do these days. I mean, it's even baked into the name of this podcast. And that is why I'm so excited to welcome Black Box as a sponsor this season. Because while I plan to arm you with the tools to achieve mental freedom or psychological freedom, Black Box arms you with the tools for financial, creative, and collaborative freedom. Now, the Black Box platform does some pretty rad things, too many to tell you about here. But the gist of it is this. It enables you to build a portfolio of intellectual property and profit from it for years to come. It frees you up to do more of what you love and focus less on the business side of distributing your work. So to learn more about how Blackbox can help you earn your independence, go to blackbox.global freedom. Again, that's blackbox.global freedom. All right, back to the show. So before we get started, I just wanted to give you a quick note about what to expect from this episode. I wrote it both for people with depression, with an emphasis on, on breaking out of some of those patterns, as much as I did for people who don't feel depressed and who don't share these struggles. Because if you work in the film industry or you're really part of any creative community, you will undoubtedly come to know and have relationships with people who suffer from depression. And I really want you to have a good empathetic understanding of what's happening with some of the people you interact with. Because the more you understand, the more compassionate and helpful you can be as a friend and a collaborator and a colleague. And that's really important because community support is one of the least used but most effective tools in our arsenal for dealing with these issues. So with all of that said, let's start with the basics and talk about what depression actually is. I'm just gonna start with a really basic definition from the American Psychiatric Association. Here's how they define it. Depression is a common and serious medical illness that negatively affects how you feel, the way you think, and how you act. Depression causes feelings of sadness and or a loss of interest in activities once enjoyed. It can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems and can decrease a person's ability to function at work, and at home. Fortunately, it is also treatable. Now, that last bit about it being treatable is crucial, and we are going to talk a ton about that later on. So even though the definition itself is, is pretty straightforward, here's where things start to get a bit trickier. Depression comes with a range of symptoms, and from what I can tell, and from all of the people I've talked to, no two people seem to experience it in the exact same way. And I think this is one of the reasons that it's so hard to talk about on a broader scale, not only because of the size and scope of the problem, but because of the sheer number of ways that it can manifest itself. And as a society, both our cultural and medical beliefs around health and wellness tend to be very much focused on symptoms, which really doesn't lend itself to something like depression. And I think that's one of the reasons that it's still so misunderstood in a cultural and social and even medical context. 
So let's talk a little bit about symptoms and some of the ways that depression can show up. So according to the Mayo Clinic, depression symptoms can vary from mild to severe and can include any of the following. Feelings of sadness, emptiness, or hopelessness. Angry outbursts, irritability, or frustration, even over small matters. Loss of interest or pleasure in most or all normal activities such as sex, hobbies, or sports. Sleep disturbances, including insomnia or sleeping too much. Tiredness and lack of energy, so even small tasks take extra effort. Reduced appetite and weight loss, or increased cravings for food and weight gain. Anxiety, agitation, or restlessness. Slowed thinking, speaking, or body movements. Feelings of worthlessness or guilt, fixating on past failures or self-blame. Trouble thinking, concentrating, or making decisions and remembering things. Frequent or recurrent thoughts of death or suicide. And unexplained physical problems such as back pain or headaches. It's kind of crazy how much range there is in that list, right? It could show up as no appetite or eating way too much. It could be insomnia and not sleeping enough, or it could be excessive sleep. Again, this is why I say no two people seem to experience depression the same way because there's just such a broad range. But the general consensus is that if you feel any combination of these symptoms, generally five or more, for a period of two weeks or greater, you've had a depressive episode. And if those episodes happen frequently and intensely enough, you're deemed to have chronic depression. And that's really as medical or clinical as I want to get in this episode. But with that said, there's a ton more to know about depression from a medical context. So if you want to go deeper into like the neuroscience of it, I found no better book than The Upward Spiral by Alex Korb. And if you're looking for something even more comprehensive, check out The Noonday Demon by Andrew Solomon. And you can find the links to both of these books in the show notes at filmfreedomshow.com 17. Anyhow, let me tell you a little bit about my experience these past few years, and it's something I've been dealing with for probably about five or six years now. So personally, I experienced depression as a combination of extreme low energy mixed with feeling this overwhelming sense of hopelessness and apathy. And symptom-wise, it makes me withdraw from the world. I stop going out with friends. I stop answering emails. And I basically become a hermit. And that's like even more of a hermit than I already am as a super introverted person who works from home. Like I withdraw completely. Beyond that, I start making very poor decisions with my health. I stop exercising. My sleep schedule goes out the window and I start making very, very bad choices with food. And not surprisingly, all of these things compound the problem, making me feel even worse. It creates this downward spiral that's very difficult for me to pull myself out of. And I think it's kind of funny. I don't know how much of my problems are actually attributable to depression. And that's why I think depression is kind of like um, a bully that somehow convinces you to beat yourself up and take your own lunch money on a consistent basis. For me, depression puts me into a state where I'm far more likely to make bad decisions or no decisions and just deepen the shittiness of my emotional state. And all in, this usually lasts for weeks at a time, sometimes months at a time. And up until recently, I've had a very difficult time pulling myself out of like those death spirals, if you will. 
but that's been my experience. And I tend to go through episodes like that a few times a year. Some years are worse than others, and this year in particular has been just very, very low, if I'm being honest with you. Anyhow, enough about me. Also, I think it's worth noting that almost every single person I talk to this season, whether it's like the actual guests or other people, has dealt with depression in one way or another. Unfortunately, I didn't really get good descriptions for them about what it felt like or how they experience it, because I wasn't really planning on making this episode like a big definitive piece on depression. But a lot of those people I talked to did talk about some of their solutions, which we're obviously going to get to in the latter half of this episode. But I do want to share one more description of depression that I found during my research. And this one really rang true in my experience, and I think it'll help people like really understand what's going on beneath the surface of a person, even when all seems normal on the exterior. And I found this in a really cool guided workbook that I picked up a few months ago called Dwarf Planet. It comes from a great nonprofit called Heart Support that deals a lot with depression in the metal community. The workbook is highly recommended, and I link to it in the show notes at filmfreedomshow.com slash 17. Anyhow, this organization did a survey of people with depression, asking them to share their, their experiences and their interpretations. And this is the one that really stuck out to me. Depression is the feeling of holding a brick in your chest. Sometimes it hurts so much that it crushes the air right out of you. It makes it harder to get out of bed, to get your groceries, to do everything in your day. There's nothing that will expel this brick from your body, so any hobby, passion, or outlet loses its appeal. Without a release or a passion, you lose your purpose, comfort, and passions. You essentially lose anything that makes you, well, you. After carrying that brick around for days, weeks, and months, it accumulates weight. Rock bottom is when the brick has crushed your heart, your lungs, your stomach, and your desire to live. You don't eat, you don't sleep, or you sleep too much. You don't move because you can't carry the brick one step further. You're paralyzed and stripped of your identity as the days pile up, and it seems like there's no end in sight. Now, when I first read that quote, it hit me like a a freight train because it just felt like such an accurate metaphor for the experience. Depression is a weight that we carry. It makes everything in your life harder. And most times it feels like that weight just keeps getting heavier and heavier. And the worst part is that while you're in the middle of it, it feels like there's no possible way to get any of that weight off your chest or even lighten it. It's just there weighing you down. And again, it just goes to show that you can never tell what kind of weight people are carrying around in their souls. Everything can be fine on the outside, but their internal world could be a mess. So I think we've done enough at this point to sort of identify the problem. Now let's talk briefly about why it's so important for us to do everything in our power to combat depression. So. Perhaps the most obvious reason is that it just takes the enjoyment out of everything in life. And in the context of filmmaking and creative work, that kind of stuff should be fun and fulfilling. At least most of the time, there's always obstacles and setbacks. But depression will consistently make us feel like shit and rob us of the joy and the sense of accomplishment that comes from creating things and putting them out into the world. And that's that's just such a travesty because because there really is immense joy that comes from that. 
Next, it puts enormous strain on our relationships. And nothing is more fundamental to effective filmmaking or building a great career or living a good life than fulfilling relationships. Next is one of the reasons that I decided to include depression this season. And that's that a lot of the other mental blocks we've talked about are way more prevalent and powerful when we're depressed. Our fear is stronger, our self-doubt deepens, our stories about the world become far less empowering. Next, because depression perpetually robs us of living up to our potential. I don't know about you, but that really bothers me. Every time I go through some major stint of depression, I really beat myself up about the work not getting done, the people I'm not impacting. If it only happens for a few weeks of your life, then it's not a big deal. But if it happens again and again for months at a time, or it's just this persistent thing, your life can never be all that it could have possibly been. And maybe I'm naive here, but I think that's one of the core purposes of our lives, to do our best work and to live up to our potential. And here's maybe the biggest reason of all that we need to combat this as much as we can and that's the more often we're depressed and the more deeply we feel it, the more it becomes habitual, the more it becomes a consistent pattern of mind. After all, our brains are basically habit-forming machines, and repetition of a state of being, even if it's a miserable one, will eventually leave your brain conditioned to feel that way. And I don't remember who originally said this, and it was maybe Tony Robbins or somebody. But in chronic depression, our brains basically have a highway moving towards pain and a bumpy dirt road towards pleasure. And the longer we, we stay in depression, the more it's like we're adding more lanes and better pavement to that highway while completely neglecting the road that we need to be focusing on and improving one step at a time. So those are the reasons why it's so, so important for us to start incorporating the steps that we're going to talk about in the second half of this episode. Because unless we start rewiring some of these mental habits and patterns one piece at a time, they're just gonna continue to get stronger and exert more negative influence over our lives. Now, before we move on, there's just one other related issue that I wanna talk about. And it's something that I've seen way, way too much of in the creative community over the years. It's when depression and pain become a core part of our identity and we form this belief around our pain and how it benefits our art. In other words, we embrace the idea of being like a tortured artist, where the more pain we feel, the better we are as artists. And I think this is one of those myths that's just been perpetuated throughout history and stories of like tortured but very talented people. So you've got Vincent Van Gogh and Jackson Pollock, Ernest Hemingway, David Foster Wallace, Elvis Presley and Kurt Cobain, and then in the film world, you've got like Marilyn Monroe, Heath Ledger, and probably way more that we'll never know about. And despite these countless examples and the way they're sort of lionized in the culture, I'm going to come out and call bullshit on the idea that our demons really benefit our work. But as a creative person who's seen both sides of depression, I can tell you with absolute certainty that everything is better on the healthier, happier side of that equation. Not only am I more creative when I'm not in a depressed state, but I'm capable of producing far more work of higher quality more consistently. It's also beneficial for all my relationships, both personal and professional, which has even more of a positive impact on my work and on my well-being. In other words, when I'm taking care of my mental health, 
my life and my work is better. And while I still do believe that pain and suffering can be turned into art, what I've found is that it's far easier to create that art when you're outside of the patterns of pain and suffering. Not only do you like function better on every single level, but when you have some distance from your suffering, it opens up new perspectives and new ways to be creative. So please, whatever you do, do not buy into the myth of the tortured artist, because at the end of the day, it is just that, a myth. So that's all I've got for you for the first half of this episode. And now that we kind of understand the problem at a deeper level, it's time to start moving towards solutions. But first, you already know the drill. I've got to tell you about my friends over at Music Vine. So hold tight just one more time. This season is sponsored by my friends over at Music Vine. So you've obviously got a lot of choices these days when it comes to finding music for your films, but Music Vine is still my personal favorite. Not only is it super simple to find music that actually enhances your work, but it's also genuinely affordable, even for indie filmmakers on shoestring budgets. But here's the best part. The music is all thoughtful, expressive, and genuine. It's sourced from indie artists all over the globe who put the same care and attention to detail into their music as you do into your films. And that's why all of the tunes in this podcast come straight from the Music Vine library. So if you like what you hear in today's show, you can get five free songs fully licensed for web and social when you go to filmfreedomshow.com slash music. And as an added bonus, whenever you're ready to grab more tracks, the code FILMFREEDOM will get you 25% off your first purchase. So again, go to filmfreedomshow.com slash music for those five free tracks and use promo code FILMFREEDOM for 25% off. All right, let's get back to the episode. All right, my friend, now let's dive into the solutions half of this episode. But first, I should warn you again that when I say solutions, I don't necessarily mean we're just going to solve this thing for good with the snap of a finger. After all, like I mentioned before, I still struggle with depression to this day, and I expect to struggle with it more in the future, despite everything I've tried and everything I know. Now, if you, if you dig around on the internet and books and whatnot, you will find accounts of people breaking out of depression and staying out. But quite frankly, I haven't figured out how to do that in my own life. So my goal here is just to share what I know and share what's worked for me and to really get you making progress and digging your way out of the hole and just lightening the load that you carry. And it's not going to be quick and it's not going to be easy, but like all of the best things in life, if we take positive actions consistently, even if those actions are tiny, they'll start to compound and create a noticeably better life for us over time. I think I mentioned this before, but our highs will be higher and our lows will be higher as well as less frequent. But in order to do that, you have to trust the process and you have to keep at it. And also one last thing to mention before we get into this, I'm not a fan of medication for depression, at least not in the realm of SSRIs. Personally, I've never tried them and I don't ever intend to try them because I've just heard too many horror stories. But there are accounts of these drugs helping some people in a very substantial way. So if that is a route that you're interested in, please talk to a doctor and do your own research. All right, so let's really dig into this now, and we're going to divide this section of the show into two halves, one for how to pull yourself out of depressed states, 
and the other for staying out. So let's just get right into it. So you remember that book I mentioned earlier, The Upward Spiral by Alex Korb? That's the overarching metaphor we're going to use here for pulling yourself out of depression, and it's been incredibly useful for me. So just like depression can feel like a downward spiral where things just seem to get worse and worse, we're going to actively create an upward spiral where we use small actions to make things a little bit better one day at a time. Now, I really like this approach because it's not overwhelming to the point of just causing flat-out inaction. It doesn't require some massive life change or anything of that nature. You start with small actions, you do them consistently, and you start feeling a little bit better. So you add another positive action or two, and you just keep this cycle going, and that's how you create the upward spiral. And again, it's generally not a speedy or an easy path to recovery, although some of the small changes we're going to talk about do make a big difference. But all of this stuff works if you're willing to commit. I've seen it work in myself, and I've seen it work with other people as well. So now let's just get into a few different strategies that you can use to get your upward spiral started. So the first thing that you absolutely must do is truly and deeply believe that it's possible to make progress and eventually pull yourself out. And I know firsthand that it can feel like nothing will ever help. I know it can feel like any action you take is just wasted energy. And as somebody who's on the outside right now as I record this, I can tell you that that's the depression talking. It's completely skewing your perception of reality. It's putting blinders on your eyes so that you miss opportunities for progress. So trust me, it can get better and it will get better. Even though it doesn't feel like it right now, there are things you can do to start that process. That right there is the belief that you must have. Because like I mentioned in the episode of the season on beliefs, the stories we tell ourselves become our reality. If you tell yourself a story that you're stuck and helpless and that your efforts won't matter, you won't put in those efforts on a consistent basis. I mean, why would you? So that's why the first step before you really do anything else proactive is just start building this one core belief. And how do you do that? It's pretty simple. You just need to find stories of people dealing with depression and overcoming it. You need to validate the idea that there is another side and that you can get there. And when you see stories of other people who've suffered and who've gotten better, it opens a little pathway up in your brain. It lets in a little bit of light. So if you're looking for powerful, true stories that will validate that new belief, I've made it really, really easy for you. You just need to go to filmfreedomshow.com slash depression, and that will redirect you directly to a page with a bunch of stories that are worth hearing. And I don't necessarily recommend just like Googling around for this stuff because it's way too easy to get into some misinformation and marketing funnels for people who sell supplements and all sorts of just unsavory stuff that won't help or that'll waste your time. So again, you don't need to Google or anything. Just go to filmfreedomshow.com slash depression and check out a whole bunch of those stories. I've done the work for you here, so you can go straight to that link. And even if you don't do any of that, please take me at my word when I say that it can get better. Though I still struggle, I know deep in my soul that I can take certain actions to move the needle in a positive directions. And I know that you can too. So once you've got the belief side of this down, the next step I recommend is to tell at least one person you trust what you're dealing with. 
chances are this is going to be difficult because depression is such a solitary, lonely experience and it can feel like no one else could ever understand what you're going through. And your brain is probably going to scream at you and try to throw as many obstacles in front of you as you try to click send on that text or bring it up in conversation or however you have to do it. But you've got to summon just like five or 10 seconds of courage and do it anyway and get over that resistance. And if you're anything like me, this is going to feel just like some of that weight immediately comes off of your chest. Seriously, just the act of telling somebody or even multiple people if you're feeling brave can help you lighten your load and make you feel less alone. And a quick note here, the goal isn't necessarily for the people you tell to help you through it, though that can certainly be part of it if you want. The important thing here is the connection. It's about being vulnerable and sharing your whole self with somebody else. And as long as the person you tell isn't just like a complete asshole, this will help deepen your relationship, which is one of the core things that helps us get outside of ourselves and see the world a bit more objectively and positively. And hell, the other person or people that you reach out to might also be struggling silently with this. You really never know. But if that's the case, you'd actually be doing them a massive service by being vulnerable yourself because it opens the door for them to do the same. Now, beyond simply telling somebody and calling it a day, I recommend that you make a point to check in with this person on a consistent basis. It doesn't have to be daily or weekly or anything really formal or structured, although it certainly can be. Because even if it's just like a weekly get-together for lunch or a random Skype conversation completely unrelated to the issues of depression, it will serve its purpose because the point is just to talk to somebody you trust on a consistent basis and to keep that relationship alive and well and to keep deeping it. Because having somebody in your life who understands what you're going through makes a world of difference. Okay, so that's two tactics down. Next up, I want you to try to come up with a list of at least five or 10 really small things that you can use to boost your mood or will make you smile or just feel a little bit of comfort. And ideally, they are really small things that don't require a lot of energy or planning or anything like that. And then once you have that list, try to do just one of those things every single day, even if it's just for a minute or two. The idea here is to continuously interrupt the pattern of negativity that's happening and perpetuating itself in your brain, and to train you to focus more and more energy on the things that uplift you, even if those things are tiny. So for me personally, my activities are snuggling with cats, playing the guitar and singing, badly I might add, um, reading fiction books like fun fiction books listening to serialized podcasts, and going for like aimless walks where I don't have to do anything, generally while listening to said podcasts. Like those things generally put me at ease and make me a little bit happier. And you should come up with your own list as well. Now, I just want to mention that this is a little bit more nuanced than just doing things that make you feel good. You have to choose things that genuinely lift your mood without indulging behaviors that have the potential to become addictive or deepen your depression. Because if there's one thing I've noticed with my own cases of depression, it's that it tends to push me towards behaviors that are pleasurable, but also highly addictive. So for instance, I definitely get some like perverse sense of pleasure out of like eating too much food or scrolling endlessly through Facebook or watching hours of Netflix at a time. But those are the types of behaviors that while pleasurable, only serve to deepen my depression and actually can create addictions. So you have to be careful here 
You got to find those things that give you a boost that help you see the world in a slightly more positive light. But again, you have to tread lightly because we're all hardwired to seek out pleasurable activities and certain types of those activities can absolutely become addictive and cause way more harm than good. Next up, we're going to dive into the realm of exercise, sleep, and nutrition. And this is probably the most impactful area of all the ones we're going to talk about in this section. Um, and that's because these areas of our health tend to fall into neglect when we get depressed, and they certainly do for me. And this is one of the major factors for why depression can feel like a downward spiral. Because without those three pillars of health in place, your body and mind just cannot operate properly. That's also why small changes in these areas can lead to the most sustained improvements if you do them consistently. Now, I'm by no means an expert on this stuff, which is why I asked Zach Arnold, who's crazy experienced with this, to sort of help me out with this side of the coin and explain how to start building your upward spiral. Here's Zach. I'm a big believer that you need to be your own doctor and not just go to the doctor that sits in the room with you for 10 minutes and says, well, it sounds like you feel depressed. All right, well, let's try the Zoloft. Well, that's not working. Well, let's try the Effexor. Oh, well, you know, now let's try the Lexapro. Do you feel better? All right, well, then it sounds like we found the right cure. We're done. Most doctors are not going to look into lifestyle factors and really understand all of the behaviors that have led you to where you are. So what I've discovered for myself is that not only is constant movement important for my mental health, but if I don't incorporate regular high intensity training, then I'm going to have a propensity towards depression. So what I've found is that I don't need any medication whatsoever if I'm exercising on a regular basis. So I found that movement is a huge lifestyle factor, not just for me, but for many, many people, that the more lethargic and sedentary you are, the more prone you are to depression and guess what the vast majority of filmmakers do all day long? They sit yeah. and they do next to nothing. And what comes with sitting and doing next to nothing, when I say doing next to nothing, I mean physically. So you might be working 16, 18 hours a day on the phone, scheduling things on the computer, writing scripts or whatever it is. But if you're not physically moving, that lethargy can lead to depression. And what sitting all day long will also do is lead to much poorer dietary habits because your appetite suppression hormones are all out of whack. So that means that you start eating crap all the time. And crap is basically the diet that every post-production facility orders for editors. Here's a steady diet of crap for you. Oreos and Nutter Butters and potato chips. And like the, it, I, my brain just wants to explode every time I see the kinds of foods that they have for this crew of people that they need to be highly creative and they're basically pouring gasoline or they're basically pouring sugar into the gas tank of a car, which basically destroys the engine of a car. So what I've found is that if you first get movement into um, into, you know, get some semblance of movement into your routine that will then drive better dietary habits. And those two start to create the momentum where you feel better. You start to create things more and you start to experience less depression. And the more that you have a taste of that, the more that you want to keep going and doing more, which is kind of going full circle to where my story started in the first place, which is realizing that just by making all of these small little changes between how much I'm moving throughout the day, how I'm eating better are really affecting how creative I am. And then above all of that, the one thing that I found for me, and I would say it's probably the one thing for just about anybody that's dealing with depression 
Beyond movement, beyond diet is sleep. When I was at the worst of my depression, I had insomnia and I never have trouble sleeping. So I know that when I can't sleep, I have major mental health issues. I would barely sleep at all, maybe an hour or two a night. And if it was an hour or two, it was very, very low quality. And that was causing basically intense, like the worst anxiety that I've ever had. I actually experienced paranoia at certain points. Um, it got really, really bad. And I said, you know what? I don't care if I'm eating crap right now. I don't care if I'm not exercising. Those are all things that are going to come. But my one thing, the domino that I have to knock over first, that's going to knock everything over next is going to be sleep. So for about two months, all I cared about was getting better quality sleep. Once I started focusing on sleep, then I focused on movement. Once I had sleep and movement under control, then I focused on diet. And then you're basically taking the snowball, this little tiny thing in your hand, you're pushing up a, up a hill, up a hill, up a hill, up a hill. Oh, you get over the crown of the hill and then the snowball starts to roll down the mountain. And we all know what that image looks like. That's basically been the last year and a half for me was standing at the bottom of the mountain, pushing the boulder uphill, barely able to do anything. But then I reached that precipice and now the snowball is just rolling like crazy down the hill on the other side. But I had to start at one place. So what I always tell anybody that's dealing with depression is you have to get your sleep under control. Once you feel like sleep is under control, then focus on movement, then focus on diet, but don't try to do everything at once. So the only thing I would add here is that I tend to prioritize exercise over sleep, or Zach prefers sleep first and foremost. And I say this simply because exercise not only boosts your mood and like changes your physiology within like 15 to 20 minutes, but it's also going to help you sleep better and it'll make you motivated to eat better as well. It seems to be the one domino that I can reliably count on to knock over a whole bunch of others. Now, with that said, exercise can also feel like the most daunting of those three, especially when you're in the midst of depression. And that's why I recommend starting small. Even if it's just a walk around the block, walking up and down the stairs a few times, doing a few jumping jacks, or maybe you get one of those seven minute workout apps, or do even smaller workouts. Start as small as you have to in order to do it and focus on consistency. And of course, we could continue to go down this rabbit hole talking about exactly how to exercise, how to improve your sleep and optimize your diet and all of that. But that's something that we need to save for another time because this episode is already super long. So for now, I've just got two resources that I wanna share if you're interested in going deeper into this stuff. First is Zach Arnold's website and podcast. It's at optimizeyourself.me. Honestly, I've learned so much from Zach over the past few years because he's very openly and vulnerably shared his stories of depression and how he's used a lot of these health tools to combat that. And the other resource is the show notes for this because I've included links to some of my favorite health-related books, articles, podcasts, and other resources. So go to filmfreedomshow.com 17. Okay, so I've still got a few more tips for you. Like I said, this episode is quite long. And this next tip might at first sound to you like a bit of an empty platitude, but I promise that this is something that can change your outlook on life for the better if you do it consistently. Plus, it's backed by quite a few different scientific studies, both psychological and neurochemical. It's well backed up in the scientific literature. And quite simply, it's practicing gratitude every single day. 
So even if you can't get out of bed and your head is swimming with negative thoughts, you can still find something to be grateful for right in this moment. It could be big things like the fact that you've got a roof over your head or you've got people in your life that care for you. Or it could be little things like a nice breeze or just like a tasty sip of coffee. There's always something to be grateful for even in the darkest of moments. And if you allow yourself to look for those things, you will always, always find them. Now, the trick to making this work is to allow yourself to feel grateful in the moment. Don't just tell yourself that you're grateful. You have to reflect on the thing that you're grateful for and let yourself feel that genuine sense of appreciation and thankfulness for it. Even if you do this only once, it can impact your mood in a very substantial way because gratitude's effects are most dramatic when we're at our lowest. Now, if you want to make this a daily practice, and I very much recommend doing that, you can set a little reminder on your phone or in your calendar just asking, what are you grateful for right now? Or you could be a little bit fancier with it and grab a copy of the five-minute journal or the app version. Um, and it's basically just a daily gratitude journal. So I've got the link to that in the show notes, again, at filmfreedomshow.com 17. So my last tip for pulling yourself out is the most important of any of these. And it's advice that you've already heard me share several times throughout this season of the podcast. So just like you have to show up every day to tackle your big filmmaking goals and make progress in other areas of your psychology, so too do you need to show up every day with your depression. And even on those days when you can barely get out of bed, you have to muster the courage and the effort to do just one small thing that will keep that momentum going. If you want some really detailed strategies and mindsets for turning pro and showing up every single day, head back to the episode on turning pro. I think it's episode six of the season or episode five. And just apply those exact same ideas to your depression. Build routines and habits that slowly and surely move the needle. And hopefully I've given you enough ideas in this section for the types of things that you can fill your routines with that will actually help the most. Now, there's one last helpful model that I did not mention in the initial Turning Pro episode, and it's the Seinfeld method of building consistency. So the story goes that an aspiring comedian once asked Jerry Seinfeld how to write better jokes. He replied, the best way to write better jokes is to write every day. He told the young comic to get a wall calendar, and every day that he wrote new material, to put a big red X through that day. Eventually, he said, a chain will start to form, and you'll like seeing that chain grow. Your only job now is not to break the chain. Now, this method has just worked wonders for me. I have a massive yearly calendar on my wall, and I use an array of colorful markers to sort of keep track of my various goals and habits. And you can do this as well with a physical calendar or some kind of habit app on your phone. But find a way to keep track of your positive actions and your small bits of progress. I promise that you will like seeing that chain grow because it's a beautiful visual reminder of your commitment to own your life and your happiness. And just seeing it will be motivating and it'll help you keep going. I'd also like to add one more rule into that whole equation. If you do break the chain for whatever reason, and it's something that happens to the best of us, do not beat yourself up and do not allow yourself to go two days straight without your positive actions. It's easy to feel like a failure and to lose faith in yourself and to just go back to not having any healthy habits. 
So make a rule that you will never miss two days in a row because that's how you stay on track and that's how you keep the upward spiral going until you're no longer in the grips of depression. So we've covered a lot of things in this section for pulling yourself out of this and creating your upward spiral. And I just want to give you a quick recap. So first, you've got to believe it's possible to make progress and get better. And you can go to filmfreedomshow.com depression for a page of great stories that are going to help you there. Next, tell someone you trust what you're dealing with and get together with them on a fairly consistent basis and put it in the calendar if you have to. After that, I want you to make a list of small, low-energy things that boost your mood and just commit to doing one of those things every single day, even if it's just for a few minutes. But you just have to make sure that you're not doing something with the potential for addiction or deepening your depression. It's sort of a fine line to walk. Next, start taking small positive steps with your health. Pick either sleep, exercise, or food as a place to start and get some small wins under your belt and really focus on consistency And when you're doing well in one area, that's when you can expand to another one. Next, practice gratitude every single day, even for stuff that feels small or inconsequential. There's always something to be grateful for in any given moment, and there's boatloads of research showing how gratitude can actually lift your mood and positively change your outlook over the long term. And then lastly, View breaking free from your depression as you would any other big goal in your life and commit to show up every single day and just get 1% better every single day. Don't break the chain, and if you do, don't beat yourself up. Never miss two days in a row. It's a lot of stuff, right? But that's all I've got for you in terms of creating an upward spiral and pulling yourself out of depressed states. And again, I can't promise you that you'll break free from your depression quickly or easily But I can promise that if you do these things consistently, your life will get better. And if you maintain a sense of curiosity about your depression and keep learning about how and why it works and how to improve the condition and you keep trying things, you will continue to make progress and eventually the fog will lift. And that leads us to the second half of this section on solutions where I want to start talking about ways for staying out of depression once you've managed to pull yourself out. So I won't make this section nearly as long as the last one because this episode is already way longer than I originally intended it. But there are a few really important points that I want to make here that will not only help you stay out of depression, but ultimately change your relationship with it so that it no longer feels like it has this power over your life. So the first thing we have to talk about in this context is your routine and your health. And as Zach mentioned before, your health and wellness really have to be on point if you want to consistently stay out of depression. For him, it's high intensity exercise a few times a week that keeps him sane and healthy, both physically and mentally. And in my life, I found that food is really the biggest indicator of when I'm getting depressed and exercise comes in a close second place. When my healthy eating and workout habits start falling by the wayside, it is a clear sign that I'm slipping back into depression. So that's why I've adopted one simple rule for those times when I feel depression coming on. Basically, I double down on my healthy habits the worse I feel. So if I wake up on the wrong side of the bed one day, it's imperative that I go work out anyway, because I like to work out first thing in the morning. 
or if something crappy happens to me during the day or my mood just isn't good, I make damn sure to follow up with some meditation or a healthy meal or sometimes even more movement. Because for me, one bad day is all it takes to slip back down the wormhole and get to a very shitty place very quickly. And I view it as my responsibility to do everything in my power to prevent that from happening. Because I know what happens when I get depressed. My work suffers, my health suffers, my relationships suffer. Everything suffers for weeks or months at a time. And like I mentioned, I feel like I'm being robbed of my potential when I allow that to happen. So whenever I have any inkling of a feeling that I might be slipping back into it, I double down on those healthy habits. The worse I feel on any given day, the more important those habits are. Of course, the thing to sort of note here is that it's not easy to do this. It's not easy to double down on those healthy routines when you're not feeling it. Um, and there are gonna be days where it just feels impossible because the day is just so crappy and you have so little energy. But what I've found is that the best way to tackle this is to treat it like the concept of resistance that we talked about in the Turning Pro episode this season. So just go back and listen to that because all of those strategies will help you in this scenario where you have to do something that feels very physically and emotionally difficult at a time when you don't want to do it. So that's my first strategy for staying out of depression is doubling down on healthy habits when I'm starting to feel myself slipping into it. This next idea is maybe the most important one in this entire episode. So as you get more acquainted with the cycles of your depression, eventually you'll be able to identify the root causes of it. And once you find those roots, you'll start to see depression more as a symptom instead of a disease in and of itself. And that is a very powerful shift in mindset and a powerful way to reframe it because it means that you can start to treat the root instead of just trying to beat back the symptoms. So once you're out of depression, I would implore you to start developing your self-awareness and looking for those root causes. When you have one of those bad days that might throw you back into depression, stop and try to identify what caused you to feel that way. And for me, one of the most effective techniques for like getting that information, because it's rarely just like read readily available on top of mind for some reason, but one of the best techniques for getting it is to do some stream of consciousness journaling. So set a timer for five or 10 minutes and then just write nonstop about how you're feeling and what might've caused it. Don't edit or stop to think, just write. And honestly, I don't know why this technique works so well, but it's a magnificent tool to sort of dredge up stuff that you're not quite consciously aware of, but is affecting you in various ways. So maybe you'll find that your depression is set off by stress from your job. Maybe it happens when a project of yours falls through or doesn't perform well or a client doesn't like it. Maybe it's set off by things that happen in your relationships or in your family. Maybe something traumatic happens in your life or you remember something traumatic that happened in your past. Or maybe you just get really busy and stop taking care of your health. The point is there are all sorts of things that can throw us back into the downward spiral. But when you start spotting those patterns and identifying the things that cause your downward spiral that get it started, that puts you back in the driver's seat. It means you can start counteracting your depression before it ever takes hold of your life. It means that you can create strategies and systems for dealing with those root causes that you know will send your mood and your outlook downhill. So here's one quick example of this that I've seen a lot both in myself and in the filmmaking community at large. 
If you consistently have really high hopes for your scripts or your film projects or your film business or whatever it is, but those hopes never seem to materialize and create the big break that you were looking for, that can be more than enough to throw you into a cycle of depression. I mean, Hollywood and the film industry in general likes to present itself as this really glamorous, fun, profitable thing. And many filmmakers do get into the business for those reasons, only to get hit with a completely different reality because the business is largely unglamorous. It's incredibly hard work. And that work rarely pays off financially in any kind of big way unless you stick around for years and years. So the point is when our expectations don't line up with the reality, it can be the source of a lot of emotional distress and pain. So if you find that to be the case in your own life, then you might want to spend some time exploring how you set goals and expectations. Because just from a personal experience on this one, I found with the film industry, it's generally best to pin your expectations to things that are directly within your control. The more you sort of cede control over success to things that you have no power over, the more likely you'll be let down when things don't go your way. So for instance, if before your definition of success came from getting into a bunch of prestigious festivals and winning a bunch of awards and making a bunch of money, you might want to temper those expectations and focus strictly on processes that are within your control. So barring something crazy, it's generally always in your control to finish a script, pre-produce it based on the budget that you're able to raise, get the film made, and then execute on some sort of marketing and promotion strategy. If you focus only on those factors that you can control and you learn to enjoy that process, putting in your greatest effort and doing your best work and all of that, that needs to be enough to keep you emotionally stable or maybe even make you happy. And anything beyond that in terms of recognition and money and whatever is gravy on top. And it is difficult work to think this way when we've all sort of been conditioned to chase after outcomes that are outside of our control. But again, somewhat paradoxically, the more that we stop chasing end results and focus on the process instead, the more likely we'll get the end result that we're looking for. Okay, so I have one last tip for you before we wrap this thing up, and it's this. Find ways to be of service to other people. Because once you start serving others in ways both big and small, your world gets bigger and it genuinely produces levels of contentment that you just can't get any other way. And perhaps most importantly, being of service is one of the absolute best ways to develop and fulfill a larger purpose in life. And when you have a purpose, like a real strong central purpose, I found that it's much easier to keep yourself out of depression and doing great work. So there are like a million different ways that you could go about being of service. You could just start doing nice things for your friends and family or even complete strangers with zero expectation of getting anything in return. You could start volunteering. You could start a blog or a podcast to share the most important things you've learned about film or life or really anything else. You could serve people through the art that you create, telling stories that are empowering and uplifting. You could start mentoring someone who'd like to grow to where you are. Again, there are so many different ways to serve. And personally, I do this through my work at Filmmaker Freedom. I'm serving right now by telling these stories. But I also do it through volunteering at a nearby cat shelter and generally just trying to do good things for the people around me without any expectation of return. And all of this stuff combined really works for me. 
So just take a few minutes to think of a few ways that you can incorporate service into your life consistently and then just start doing it. Even if you only spend 10 minutes doing selfless service each week, it will start to change you fundamentally. It'll broaden your world. And the more that happens, the less power depression will have over you in the long run. All right, my friend, that is all I've got for you in this episode. It was incredibly valuable for me to do all of this research and synthesis ideas. And I hope that it was equally valuable for you to take it all in. And I know it's a lot, but like before, the more we can arm ourselves with knowledge, the more capable we are against an enemy like depression. Speaking of which, I always encourage you to check out the show notes for these episodes. But this time, I'm going to say it's mandatory. So even though I've covered a ton of ground here, there's still so much more to learn and understand when it comes to depression. That's why I've pulled together a ton of additional resources that we can use to keep this dialogue going and to keep deepening our understanding. So to check out the show notes, just head to filmfreedomshow.com 17. Again, that's filmfreedomshow.com 17. And just a reminder, this season is sponsored by my friends over at Blackbox. It's a platform that helps filmmakers collaborate effortlessly, get their work to the market, and then share in the revenue. Now, as I record this, Blackbox is the absolute best way to get into the world of stock footage. Just upload to the platform once and watch as your footage is distributed to all of the major stock companies. But in the months and years to come, you'll be able to distribute all kinds of media through the platform, from shorts to features to series. Mark my words, it's going to revolutionize how we approach distribution. And now is your chance to get in on the ground floor. So to learn more about Blackbox and its exciting future, go to blackbox.global freedom. Again, that's blackbox.global freedom. If you've made it this far in the episode, thank you so much for listening. Seriously, this stuff is difficult to talk about and it's difficult to grapple with it. So thank you for writing it out and sticking with me. And if you'd like to share this episode with your friends, your family, or the broader filmmaking or creative community, please, please do so. Because again, the more we can talk about depression, the more we can bring it out in the open, the more we can do to start lessening the effect that it has on us. Also, if you really want to make me a happy camper, please go onto iTunes, search for Filmmaker Freedom, and leave a quick review. Even if it's just a few words, it would mean the world to me, and it'll help other filmmakers discover this show. All right, friend. So we're nearing the end of season two of this podcast, but I've got one more episode in store for you. It's all about continuous growth in filmmaking in life and in your psychology, and I think you're going to love it. So thanks again, and I will see you next time. Peace out.